This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. Bethesda. Everybody doing good? Was worship not amazing today? I mean, God's presence in this place, so, so good. I'm excited that you are here. Um, So, so thankful to host you, Uh, whether this is your, um, you know, thousandth time being here or your first time, we truly are honored that you're here. If you didn't get connected to groups last week, if you did not get registered, take time to do that. It's not too late. Um, to get connected and start doing life with some other people. Um, and, and also, as Pastor Josh uh, mentioned, Next Steps is happening at 11 o'clock. We would love to have you as part of that. Uh, we've been in a series here called Mind Games. This is actually week number three of the series, and I have so enjoyed um, preaching and teaching this series so far. Have you guys enjoyed it so far? Amen. Um, I believe it's an important series. I believe it has the potential to be life-changing if we can apply the truths that we've been getting. If you've missed the first two um, messages, I would encourage you to go back, listen to those, uh, take the time to take some notes, write some things down. And, and I, I would also say I would encourage you not to miss any of these messages um, because they're going to fit together, um, and I believe it will be a blessing to you and your family. Um, we have learned in this series so far that if we can get our mind right, that we can get our life right. That I cannot expand my world until I first expand my thinking. We live on the level of our thinking. And, and man, this, this is a big one because... Um, for a lot of us, that completely describes why our life is where it's at. It's because that we live on the level that we think. And so one of the things that I, I tell people all the time, some things, uh, the, the most spiritual thing you can do is be exposed to something new. I, um, Karen and I had the conversation this weekend. We were talking about exposure. We were talking about you know, we didn't really know to dream about something new until we were first exposed to it. I remember right out of college, uh, I, I, j- I jumped on an airplane for the first time in my life. Um, and, and I flew to a training that I had to go to for the new job that I had gotten, and, uh, that, I had gotten that week. And they said, you got to get on the plane. Told me the day. I had never flown before. And I can remember being so nervous about flying for the first time. Um, man, I, that seems like now I've flown like a thousand times, but that first time it exposed me to a, to a new world. It, it exposed me to a bigger city that I went to. And, uh, and since that day, I love traveling, but it started with being, ex- to having that exposure. And some of you, um, because of your relationships and the people you're connected to, you're never exposed to information or revelation that could lift you higher. This is not on my notes. I'm just, I'm trying to, to help you see if you get the exposure and see something new for the first time, then it helps you to be able to dream for a new season in your life. Anybody ready to go to your next level personally? Like you, you got to first be exposed to it. 
then you can get a picture of, of, of where your life is, is headed. And um, a lot of people, they, they never, they get stuck in the past because they never give their mind permission to imagine a future. Um, and it's so important that you give your mind permission to imagine a brighter day ahead. Our mind has the ability, as we've talked about, to access memories, but also to imagine a future. Um, and if we do not imagine a future, our mind will automatically retrieve the past. It, it'll get stuck in the past. And, and, and I told you last week that our memories could fit inside of a closet, but our imagination is the size of a universe. And so many of us were living in a closet and, instead of taking the universe ahead of us, the things that God has for us. And so um, with all that being said, um, let, let, me, let me say this. Before I, I give you today's message, um, we ended, or somewhat, I was all over the place with my notes last week. If you can't tell, I'm excited about preaching. Uh, I'm excited about the content, and so I've I just been, you know, just jumping at things. But we talked about David. When he, when he came up against the giant, what did he do? He accessed memory. So if you're going to access memory, make sure it's the right memories, all right. At that moment, David did not access negative memories. He accessed positive uh, memories, breakthroughs and triumphs. He said to himself, I took care of the bear. I took care of the lion. And then he shifted, he transitioned, and he left memory, even though they were positive, and he started imagining holding up this giant's head. And so we, if we're going to access memory, make sure it's the right ones. Uh, it, it makes zero sense to rehash pain in your life. It makes zero sense to rehash it over and over and over again. And so I'm going to call today's message, I'm going to call this the word that sticks. The word that sticks. Now, you got to give me some time that will make sense at the end. I'm going to preach into this title today. Uh, but I want you to go ahead and tell your neighbor, neighbor tell them it's the word that sticks. It, it's the word that sticks. Now, let's start here. And I've already given you Bible. Some of you are waiting on me to read some verses. I've been talking verses. Um, but I, I want to start with, with the first point today being this. Jot this down. Um, you can control your life if you can control your thoughts. You can control your life if you can control your thoughts. Very, very important to grab this. Um, you can control your mood if you can control your thoughts. You can control your attitude if you can control your thoughts. Some of us need to know today that we can control our feelings if we can control our thoughts. Our thoughts are powerful. Our life moves in the direction of our thought life. We, it's a scientific fact that um, when you have a thought, you have 30 seconds to do something with it. All right? Especially if it's a negative thought. You have 30 seconds to do something with that thought. Um, and after 30 seconds, listen, the thought, if we meditate on it, the thought becomes a feeling. So now we're not just dealing with a thought, but we're dealing with a thought and a feeling, and you have doubled down on the attack against your own mind. 
And so a lot of us, we, we got to get better at recognizing wrong thoughts so that we can cast them down. Anybody cast down some wrong thoughts this past week? Did, were you able to do that some? I, I hope that you were able to, to put away some of those negative thoughts. And, and some of you you, you, you say things like, well, pastor, you just don't know how bad my story is or how sad it is. Um, and, and I don't want to be dismissive of your story and the pain that you have gone through. But I will suggest to you, um, I want to say it like this. I don't care how sad your story is. God has done something for you. God has saved you. God has healed you. God has delivered you. God has blessed you. God has put some people in your life that love you in spite of you. And even though you got some tragic moments in your life, how many are thankful for all the moments that God showed up? Anybody know today that God has been better to you than you deserve? So no matter how sad the story is, we all have some things where we can stop and pause and and thank God for it because it's Paul who said, whatever things are noble, praiseworthy, uh, trustworthy, good report, he said, think on these things. Think on these things. Now, you and I are responsible today. We're responsible for our thoughts and we have the power to control our thoughts. And I, I hear a lot of sad stories as a pastor, and, and that's part of it. And we want you to come and, and tell us what you're going through. But a lot of people will say, I'm just sad all the time. Well, the, the reason you're sad all the time is because you think sad all the time. <laughs> Man, this ain't even deep, but it'll change your life. Um, I'm mad all the time, pastor. You're mad because you think mad all the time. You have the ability to control your mood, to control your feelings. The the woman with the issue of blood that we looked at last week, she was bleeding out and she was given a bad doctor's report, but the Bible says that she pressed through the crowd, she pressed through the adversity because she had painted a picture of herself healed and of herself being made whole. She had this picture in her mind, and so she pushed through it. Now, you, you can look at the woman with the issue of blood, and you can also look at Peter. When, when you look at Peter, when he was standing on the boat and he said this, he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out and walk on the water. Now, how many of you know that Peter would have never said that had he not first imagined walking on the water? He had already thought and, and saw himself walking on the water. But Peter, he stepped out, walked on the water, but then his eyes were uh, focused not on what he had pictured, but his eyes were now focused on the winds and the waves, and the Bible said that he sank because he lost focus. Now, the question I have for you is, what is the difference between the woman with the issue of blood and Peter? What what was the difference between the two? When the woman with the issue of blood... um, was coming to Jesus and hit the adversity, she was able to sustain the picture in her mind. She did not allow the adversity to take away what she had imagined in her thought life. Whereas Peter, in the moment, he lost the picture and started focusing on the negative circumstances. And so I want to ask some people today, can you sustain the right picture even when the storms of life come? 
Can you keep the right thoughts even when COVID hits our nation? Can you think the right thoughts even with political unrest? Can you think the right thoughts even when a relationship goes south? I'm, I'm looking for people today that can sustain the positive picture that you have painted in your mind in spite of setbacks and struggle and adversity, but I'm not gonna lose what I've painted in my mind. And this is where this is what separates people who go to another level and people who don't. Many times they both painted a positive picture, but one person was able to sustain the picture in the midst of adversity and the other person was not. And so it's about your ability to sustain that picture. Um, and I, w- I want to say this, and, and I made it a point because I want you to understand this. Life is choice-driven. It is choice-driven. When, when God created Adam and put him in a garden, God said to Adam, he said, Adam, you can have this, but you can't have that, but I'm not going to make you a robot. I'm going to give you the ability to choose. All right? You can have this, but you probably shouldn't touch this. Now you choose. We can look at the children of Israel when God spoke to them, and he said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses, and what did God say? He said, this mic is gone. There we are. There we are. He said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and, and cursing. He said, now choose. Joshua said to the people of Israel, he said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Why? Because life is choice driven. I don't know if it's mics or something else. Is this one, This one's out too. Check, check. Are we still on? Yep. All right. If I need to do something else, let me know. All right, let's keep going. Life is choice-driven. I I don't want to make anybody upset today, but I want you to know that as it comes to, as it relates to life and your choices, a lot of us, we are, we're blaming the devil for stuff that's not the devil's fault. We, we, just like right now, it'd be real easy to say the devil's all in this microphone. No, we should have changed batteries, right? Um, come on. This ain't the devil. Oh, the devil's in the sound system. No, he's not. Um, the devil's not responsible for what's going on in your life. Um, he gets a lot more credit than he deserves. I'm going to take it a step further. Try this a third time. Hello? Check, check. Check, check. One, two. Check, check, check. One, two. All right. I'm I'm just going to keep rolling. If y'all find a mic that works, I'll try that. Um, But it's real easy um, for us to blame the devil. It's real easy for us to blame our spouse for the way our life is going, to, to blame people. But a lot, a lot of times what, what's happening is it's, it's not that what the devil did or what they did, but it's how we responded to what happened to us. And, and I want you to know that a lot of times when we blame people, what we are doing many times in that is that we are ignoring our own self-destructive behavior that is sabotaging our future. 
Um, all because we want somebody to be the scapegoat. And it's easy to see how people have negatively affected us while ignoring our own choices. Every predicament that I have found myself in, listen to me, more times than not, it wasn't the result of what others did to me, but more times than, than, than not, it was the result of decisions that I made that I wish I had a do-over. Anybody feel me on that? Like you just wish I had made a a better decision. I just wish I had made a better decision. Um, and even the small percentage of times when somebody does something to you, it still falls back in your lap because after what it, whatever it is that has been done to you, you now have a choice to make on how you will respond to that. Will you make it better or will you make it worse? I'm preaching real good right there. Even when somebody offends you, betrays you, it still falls in your lap on what you will choose. It's your, life is choice driven. And, and so God gives us the answers, but he doesn't force us to do it. It's a decision that we make. Now look with me at Colossians chapter number three. Colossians three, starting in verse number one, it says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Verse three is really important. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ. Now for years I have taught you that when Christ was um, crucified, when he was buried, and when he resurrected, you and I were actually there with him. We went through the same process with Jesus. We were there. And, and the scripture, the book of Ephesians tells us that you and I have been raised and we have been made to sit down in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is our spiritual position. That's where we rest in the kingdom of God. We have been seated in a heavenly place. Um, and so Paul is talking to those that have been born again. Do I have any born again people in the house today? Like you're born again. And, and so he, he says, if you're born again, if you were raised with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Set your mind on things above. In other words, when we come into the kingdom, our standard of thinking should be elevated. That the, man, our, our standard of thinking should be elevated. That, that there is a higher standard for kingdom people to think on the level of God. And, and so Paul said, set your mind on things above. And, and the reason he said that, he, he said, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. The old you died when you came to Christ. The old you is dead. Let's take it a step further. The cussing you died. The loose you died. Don't make me come down there. I will. <laughs> the slap you in the face you died. The bitter you died. The addicted you died. When you come into the kingdom of God, the old you died, all right? That person, come on, that's a good play. It, he's dead. 
He died. She died. But the real you is hidden. Y'all ready for this, right? The old you died, but the new you, the real you, who you are in Christ, is hidden. Um, God hides things. He, he hides things. He, he reveals his secrets many times to prophets or his friends. He, uh, he tells us that if we abide in the secret place, right, that there's something that happens there. If we, if we dwell there, that we'll abide under the shadow. He, he hides things. He talks many times in code, in mystery. Uh, when he talks about marriage, he, he says marriage is a mystery. How many of you have been married long enough to know it's a mystery? You, you're still trying to learn, right? And you never stop. It's a mystery. Uh, when he talks about the kingdom, he talks about it as a mystery. And so let's connect some dots. The, the scripture we've been using, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So the least you can do is honor God with your body because he lives in it. Right? Stop doing crazy stuff with it. Honor it. Be a living sacrifice. He goes on to say, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And, and so we have learned in the series, we existed before we got here. The Bible says that you and I were created in Christ Jesus. So we were created before your parents ever hooked up. All right, there's a difference between when we were created and when we were made. The word Christ is not Jesus's last name. The word Christ is Jesus's function. The word Christ means anointed or the anointed one. And, and the Bible says your life is hidden in Christ. In other words, your life is hidden in the anointing. The anointing is a term that a lot of people don't want to mess with, especially in this modern church. But how many know there are some old terms that we, we need to resurrect in the church? If you don't understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you are missing out on a big portion of the kingdom and a big portion of what God wants to do in your life. And, and so my life is hidden in Christ. It is hidden in the anointing. And so Christ was Jesus's function. I am dead. When Chad Dingus came to Christ, he died and something happened. God took the real me and tucked it in Christ. He tucked it in or hid it in the anointing. Again, a difference between when you were created and when you were made. You were created in Christ. You were created in the anointing before the foundations of the world. You were created in the anointing before God said, let there be light. Don't ask me to explain that. I can't do it. Um, you had some level of existence before you got here. When you were made, when your mom and dad got together, and by, they, they formed you a biological body that is a temporary house that would hold the real you while you were on the earth. Because when this dies, it goes back to the dust, but the real you that's in the anointing goes back to the Father. Come on, somebody. Man, I feel this thing. The real you goes back. Because why? It's in the anointing. 
that, that the real you exists, to be absent from the, that's why at a funeral we say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We look down at a casket and we, we just miss so-and-so, but, but that's just a body that housed the real them. How many of that's not the real them? The real them, if they're, if they're in Christ, is, uh, is right now in this moment to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They are with God. And so we know when our body dies, it returns to the dust, but the real you goes back to your father. There are three words, and you may want to write these down. I didn't want to put all this in note form. There are three words that are used interchangeably um, when you read about them in the New Testament. It's the words kingdom. Everybody say kingdom, anointing, everybody say anointing, and everybody say Holy Spirit. All right, kingdom, anointing, and Holy Spirit. Um, They are synchronized together in the Bible and used interchangeably. Jesus walked the earth for 30 years before beginning his ministry. All right, he started the ministry at age 30, But up until then, no one saw him perform a miracle. No one saw him do anything amazing up until that point. But at age 30, the scripture says that he was baptized by John. The heavens opened, right? The Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And God the Father spoke and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. All of that happened and Jesus left the experience And says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me. When when you talk about the kingdom being within you and the Holy Spirit living in you and being anointed, they are used interchangeably for the fact that God has already taken up residence in your life. Some of you are looking for God out here, but God is not out here, God is in here. Come on somebody, Jesus came to deal with sin, watch this, because God cannot be associated with sin. So part of what Jesus's job description was, was to deal with sin so that the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus could now live in you and I. Some of you need to get a revelation that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and you don't have to wander through life aimlessly trying to find God in all these circumstances. If you could just get your mind to catch up with what God has done in your spirit, you will see that you have already been anointed. There is already destiny on the inside of you and purpose on the inside of you. I I want somebody to wake up to the fact that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that God has deposited greatness on the inside of you. But when our mind gets in the gutter, we're missing out on the greatness of God on the inside of us. Let's take a 10 second praise break for what God has put on the inside of you. So Jesus tells the disciples one day, and, and, and the truth is they loved the miracles and the healing and the multiplying, fish and loaves. They loved it. Like they, they loved it. Who wouldn't love that? But he's, he looks at him and says, guys, I got to go. I'm going away, and um, there's another one coming, and it's actually going to be to your advantage that he comes. And they can't, they're like, no, can't be better than this. Don't leave. We don't want you to go. We don't understand. But Jesus said, if I don't go, 
the one that's coming, he, he can't come until I go. And so he, he's, he's communicating to them that it's going to be to their advantage that he leaves so that the Holy Spirit can take up residence on the inside of him. So when you accept Christ, the old you died. If you died, then who are you? <laughs> who are you? Some of us, we're still stuck on who we are in Adam instead of who we are in Christ. We're, we're, we're stuck on who we were in sin instead of being stuck on who we are in the anointing. I'm about to kick something. Uh, we, we, our mind gets stuck in, in, in thinking that, that keeps us locked in a closet. But I just sense today by the power of the Holy Spirit that the real you is about to stand up. The real you is about to break out. The real you is about to spring forth. The you that God has purposed you to be, destined you to be. We're not going to get stuck because we've been hanging around the wrong people, hearing the wrong sad stories. We're going we're gonna, to uh, we're gonna see in this season what God has destined for us. But we can't get there any other way except by the anointing, by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's why God says that there is an anointing in you. You have an anointing and you know all things. How I many of that's good stuff? I know all things, but I don't know it in my mind. I know it through the Holy Spirit. So Paul comes along and says, I want you to renew your mind so that you can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so our mind, there's a tug of war taking place between our flesh and the Holy Spirit, constantly going back and forth, but ultimately my life will begin to move, not in the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading me, but in the direction that my mind is going to think. Because the Holy Spirit may be leading me this way, but if my mind is going that way, I mean, my life follows my thoughts. If my, my mind is going to lead me. The Holy Spirit in me knows where I have been, where I am, and where I am going. I have someone living on the inside of me that knows me better than I know myself. And that is the Holy Spirit. Jesus came and announced, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm anointed. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what he was called to do. The problem is, is we don't often know who we are. That's why we act out in ways that's, that does not line up with who we are. Are you getting this? When we act in ways that does not line up with who God has called us to be, it's because we don't know who we are and we don't know what we're called to do. But you have the Holy Spirit living in you. He knows everything about you. He's already towards your future and he's the only one qualified to lead you into that future. I just have to get my mind to begin thinking on the level of the anointing. So, so important. So Paul says in Romans 12, he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right? So it is possible, or let me, let me just do this in question form. Is it possible for you to get saved 
and you're in relationship with God, you're ready for heaven, but your life hasn't really been transformed yet. You, you came to an altar, you raised your hand, you prayed the prayer, you were broken about your sin, but when you look at your life, it still looks the same as it did before you got saved. How can you have a new life in Christ, but your life looks like it's not changing? I'll tell you how that happens. Romans 7 tells us it's with our mind that we serve the Lord. Your spirit has been set free, but you serve God out of your mind, which means that I may be saved and spiritually in a great position, ready for heaven, but my life still looks a mess because I can't get my mind out of the gutter. I, I can't get my mind out of the dirt. And so Paul says, you got to renew it. You got to be transformed. Um, and, and, and where we struggle is, we, we know God has big plans and God wants to use us and do great things, but our mind has no idea what's in our spirit. God packages my future inside of my spirit. He doesn't package it and put it in our mind. That's why our mind has to be renewed. Your spirit knows who you should be and what you should be doing, but your mind is trying to catch up. And this leads to frustration. Frustration is not always an evil thing. Sometimes frustration is a divine thing. Why? Because your spirit knows something that your mind don't know. And so it's an indicator that I need to get my mind on the same level as, as my spirit. And this is the struggle. This is why we have good days and bad days. This is why one day we say, I'm going to conquer the world, and I'm going to do A, B, C, and D. And on the next day, we're like Elijah sitting under a juniper tree saying, I'm the only one that loves you, Lord. Just kill me already. What happened? This happened. Your mind happened. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why you can get saved and, and God will begin blessing you. He'll give you, he'll give you things and bless you. Maybe, maybe God blesses you with a new home. And, and so you have a new home, but you're still miserable. Why? Because you know who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing. And even though you got a new house, it still doesn't line up with what God has for you. You, you get saved and your mind thinks, Man, she's fine. And the Holy Spirit says, she ain't the one. The Holy Spirit says, she ain't the marrying kind, she the playing kind. Come on, y'all. Let's, let's do church the real way. How many know this is how it works? And so you got you to gotta think on the level of the Holy Spirit, or you're going to miss what God has for you. God hid who you really are in your spirit, not your mind. And I believe the reason God hid it in your spirit and not your mind is because the devil can read your mind, but he cannot read your spirit. See, the will of God has been hidden in the anointing. And, and the word when Paul says prove, prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The word prove means allow. That's what it means. It means to allow. God has hidden his will 
in my spirit, but I have to change my mind to allow what's in my spirit to play out in my mind. Some of us are not allowing what God has put in us, we're not allowing it to come forth. Our mind is shutting it down. Every time God gives us a word, our mind talks us out of the word. Every time we, we come to church and we get a word from God that inspires us, we walk out the door and our mind will not allow the word we've just heard to play out in our life. What if God wants you to be really happy and joyful and have a fruitful life, but your mind is not allowing it? It's real quiet because we all realize this morning that any limit in our life, we're limited not because of what God is doing, we're limited because of how we think. You ought to clap right there. I'm just going to help you. We're limited because of what we are thinking about. If I fail to renew my mind, the Bible says that I become an enemy of God. That's why you can have somebody who's saved and still fighting the purpose of God. Check this out, Romans 8, starting verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. In other words, if I have an unrenewed, untransformed mind, I cannot please God. It's impossible. I actually fight against God when I don't allow my mind to be renewed through the word of God. God wants your mind renewed so that you can understand what he has available for you. In our mind, though, we grow up, we have families, we have some of us, we had good experiences, but I I, I think all of us can admit we had good and we had bad and we had ugly, right? Like if you, if you took from the time you were born up until now, you've had some good days, some bad days, great experiences, terrible experiences. And, and a lot of times our mind gets stuck on the negative parts of, of, where, of, of how we got here. Like you, you watched your family, your parents maybe, you watched them file bankruptcy. And so God has a plan to really bless you financially, but because your mind got stuck with the bankruptcy, how many of you can carry that into your future and automatically think, I'll never have anything. You watched your parents divorce, and so when you and your spouse have a spat, it's real easy for your mind to go, well, we're gonna end in divorce just like mommy and daddy did. And, and so I'm saying today, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, come out of the closet of bad thinking, come on somebody, and step into the universe that God has for you. Don't limit what God wants to do in your future because your mind is still stuck in the past because what happens in the mind plays out in time. It's not the thoughts that come and go, it's the thoughts that come and stay that will determine my future. It's the ones that are sustained. God wants you to have all these cool things. Now, some of you are asking, I thought we were talking about the word that sticks. Here it is. First Corinthians, actually Colossians, James, James, I'm sorry. James chapter one, as the worship team comes back, James chapter one. I want to ask you today, I wonder, or I wonder what God has put on the inside of you 
that your mind is not allowing, allowing to come forth? What has God put in you that your mind is shutting down? Um, let me read this verse first. 1 Corinthians 2. It says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the heart, but it has been revealed, not to the mind. It's been revealed by his spirit. You know a lot of things in here that you don't know here yet. You know a lot of things in here that you don't know here just yet. But I want you to know that it's already prepared. Some of us are trying to make something happen that God has already went into your tomorrow and made happen. It's just getting our mind to think on that level. I wanna know what God knows. I, I wanna think the way God thinks. I wanna take the limits off. The, the devil, I'm gonna, I will say this, we give the devil credit a lot of times when he doesn't deserve it. But I will say today, the devil does not want you to get what I've just taught you. He does not want you to get this. He's actually afraid of what would happen if you really allowed the will of God to transpire in your life because you have renewed your mind. James chapter one, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The engrafted word that can save your soul. The word soul is the word mind. The engrafted word saves my mind. There is only one word that saves my mind and, and it's the engrafted word. People all over this country, all over this world are hearing preaching right now. And there will be some people that will receive the engrafted word and it will change their mind. And some people will just hear something and go on about their business. When you look at the word graft, engrafted, a graft is when they remove tissue from one area of your body and they move it to another area. They, they make tissue or take tissue from one area and they merge it with the tissue of another area. And so the word that saves my mind, it's the engrafted word, which means it's not just the word that I heard, but it's the word that becomes one with my thoughts. The engrafted word becomes one. The word that you receive and it merges with your thoughts has the ability to save your mind to save your soul. I, I love this because a lot of times we hear good word, but we still think our own thoughts. See, you, you'll be labeled weird and all kinds of stuff when you start really living the word. Because people are gonna say, well, how you feel about it? It don't matter how I feel. I have an engrafted word. The word has merged and become one with my thoughts. So even in the presence of sickness, I will declare I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. In, in the faith, come on, so it's gotta become one. 
it, it, it can't be today I'm pumped up and, and tomorrow I'm in the dumps. I, it's one with my thoughts. It has been engrafted. The Bible says that God, I think it's the Psalms, tells us God will give you the desires of your heart. We've, met, we've butchered the verse because it doesn't mean God is Santa Claus and just everything I want, he gives me. It's not what it means. It literally means that God takes his desires and puts them in you while removing your desire. In other words, he gives you a divine want to. He, 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 he makes us want the things that he wants. Listen, freedom isn't, um, I quit doing this, but man, I miss it and I love it and I'm shaking because I want to go do it again. That ain't freedom. That's called hell, friend. Freedom is when the desire that is negative has been taken out of your heart and God gives you a divine want to. Freedom is when I don't even want that life anymore. I want what God wants. I'm pursuing what God wants. I wish I had a church that was filled with the Holy Ghost this morning that would say there's some desires in here that they're not mine anymore. They came from God. God took his heart and he put it in my heart. I wish somebody would praise God right now that he's given you new desires and a new want to to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Man, this word today will change your life if you apply it. Some of you, your thinking is going to go to another level because the word, the word can get into your memories and heal it. The word can get into your experiences and heal it. The word can get into your abuse and heal it. And not only, we, we know the word is sharp and powerful. Not only can it heal where we struggle in our memory, but it can also give us the ability to imagine better days ahead, a bright future, one that is filled with hope and expectation. Um, listen, when, when it comes to God putting the desires in you, check this out. Even today, you're here in church worshiping God. Now, I have to believe that no one came to your bedside and held a gun to your head today and said, you better get your butt to church. I don't think that happened. I think anybody that's in this place today, you're here because you chose to come. Now, how many know that's a desire? Some of you used to hate church, and today you're in here with your hands lifted. How many know God put that desire in you? Your old desire didn't want anything to do with this. God put it in you. And, and so I, I'm just believing that God is going to put the want to, the right desires. If you believe that, give him the best praise you have all day. Come on. Come on, give God a praise today. The word that sticks will save my soul. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around for the next couple of moments. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you need his grace and forgiveness. If you're here today, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus as my Lord. I want to know him as my Savior. 
anyone at all that you would say that is me today if you're watching online we would love to pray with you as well anyone at all anyone at all we're going to pray this just for the online folks everybody lift your voice say dear heavenly father i come to you in the name of jesus i'm a sinner i've committed sins i'm asking you to forgive me come into my heart be my lord my savior thank you for saving me and changing me in jesus name amen give the lord one more hand clap of praise worship team come on come on you can do better than that thanks for listening to this episode of the bethesda church podcast if you would like to support this ministry financially you can do so by visiting bethesdachurch.tv give we will catch you on the next episode.